My name is Craig Pickett. I'm an executive recruiter. More than a decade ago, I started my practice for one purpose, to use my experience as a former military aviator, business jet sales executive, and P&L leader to help aviation and aerospace companies and their executives be fast, adaptable, and strategic. I do these podcasts to inspire and inform, but more importantly, they are a focused platform to help business leaders grow. Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. I am uh, really thrilled to have Mark Drobny with me. Mark is an old friend. He is the president of Standard Aeros, Business Aviation Division. Mark and I first met about eight or nine years ago when he was a uh, senior executive and president of executive, executive jet management. Uh, he's a former uh, Navy F-18 naval aviator turned uh, business executive. So, hey, Mark. Welcome, uh, welcome on. Thanks for coming. Absolutely, pleasure to be here. So, how uh, how's the transition from uh, charter management, being the president of EJM and charter management, and moving down to Standard Aero and taking over a, you know, the 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 strategy of that uh, that entity working for you? Yeah, it's been really great. In fact, uh, it's only been like two or three days. I crossed my two year anniversary here with Standard Aero. I was just telling someone the other day, it feels like it's been about three or four months. It's been, uh, it's been, you know, so busy. Um, but, uh, that's the nature of things as we get older, time flies, right? Uh, it's been a great, uh, a great opportunity, a great ride for me. Um, transition has been, has been, has been fantastic. Um, like I was at EJM here at Standard Aero, blessed with a, a phenomenal team, uh, surrounded by great people. Um, folks that just are, are really, really engaged in the business. Um, very, very strong culture, uh, very committed to taking care of our customers. So, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't come into one of these turnaround situations where things were a mess. I was joining uh, a team in a, in a business that was really uh, going well and on a, on a positive trajectory. So I just jumped on board for the ride and, you know, continue to, to try to do my part to, to take us yeah. to even better heights. What was the strategy? I mean, I, I can't believe it's been two years you've been there either. I mean, it yeah. seems like it seems like yesterday. But yeah, uh, what uh, what was the strategy? I mean, what was the overall when you when you first walked in the doors and you kind of looked around? You know, what did you what did you what direction did you think you needed to take the group and the and the overall strategy? Yeah, kind of that that classic scenario of a quick quick assessment. You know, the people talk about the ninety day plan. Um, it really get the lay of the land, understand what our strengths and weaknesses are, um, how to uh, how to maximize the strengths, minimize the the weaknesses. Um, really look for opportunity for us to um, you know to to expand the business, make things better, grow the portfolio. Um, about a year ago, uh, Standard Aero was acquired by the Carlisle Group, um, and so we've we've gone from uh, one private equity owner to the other. Um, business continues to be extremely uh, growth focused, um, which is a great thing to be a part of, right? It's not a matter of, um, you know, trying to, um, trying to just manipulate costs to squeeze uh, earnings out of business. It's really incredibly growth focused. So how can we invest in what we're doing um, and, and, and find ways to, uh, to do more. Um, and so, uh, you know, initially, uh, I would describe it as 
you know, Standard Aero, um, particularly the business aviation portfolio, has been, um, you know, sort of the the same amalgamation of of facilities and and organization for you know better part of of 30, 40 decades, a couple of different um, I'm sorry, 30, 40 years, a couple of different names involved, you know, once upon a time, uh, trace our roots back to Garrett Aviation. Right. Um, and uh, you know, we were we have been challenged to to get out of um, get out of a, a mode of thinking that we have been in for a long time. Um, that has served us really well for decades, but you know, um, you know, for example, uh, the biggest piece of the Standard Aero business aviation portfolio for a long time has been TFE 731 engines, um, and you know, most prolific engine platform in business aviation. It's been a it's been a great product for us, but you know, that has reached its peak and is uh, is just going to be declining, and so. We've, uh, you know, when I came on board, we were sort of partway through the strategy of, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. um, and so continuing to take, take that approach of how do we modernize? How do we um, expand the things that, that we're, we're uh, involved in and really take a, a look at where we want to be five or 10 years from now, put those, those things in place now uh, to start making, uh, you know, transition in the business that direction. So even before I got on board, you know, Standard Aero was was selected, for example, uh, as the exclusive provider of HTF 7000 family um, heavy services, the only the only authorized uh, heavy uh, MRO in the world for Honeywell. Um, and that's been a, a gigantic platform for us. It's probably three years ahead of where we anticipated it would be in terms of volume, um, really skyrocketing. You know, there's, gosh, what are there, 3000 plus um, HTF engines out there. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it, that's been a, a one very obvious thing that we've been in, investing in, but even beyond that, looking at, um, the platforms we service, you know, we're an authorized service center for, for both Desso and Embraer and, um, and even for the products where we're not an authorized service center, um, our approach uh, is always to be very OEM aligned uh, and uh, and making sure that we're tied into where the OEM views us as a part of their service portfolio uh, and making sure we're, we're tied in and, and conducting our business in a way that fits for them. Because, uh, you know, we find that if, if folks try to go, go rogue and go alone and, and counter with the, what the OEMs are doing makes it very, very difficult to oh, yeah. run a successful business. Um, you know, there certainly is opportunity out there for, you know, things like PMA and, and whatnot. Um, but it's just not really, uh, not really the, the strategy for us. We find that OEM alignment works really, really well for us. Um, so how can we continue to add capabilities, add people, add facilities, um, Add authorizations, uh, whatever the case might be, to continue to, to build a portfolio. Yeah. Well, you've got the so you got you got the facility up in Springfield, which right. you know is full from what I hear. It's been full the last couple couple of years. Yeah. You got Augusta, Georgia. That's right. And then Houston. Houston. That's right. And uh, all those guys are full right now. I mean, you're you're, you're, you're 
continuing to see some solid business trends? Yeah, we're, we're extremely busy right now. Not only did we come into, into 2020 with a very full pipeline and, and strong demand, but you know, ever since uh, COVID has kicked off, uh, it, it has really strengthened interest to, for folks to bring airplanes in and get work done. Um, so you know, you get months and months of backlog, very, 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 very full um, uh, schedules and order boards, um, which is a great place to be. Um, you know, there are other parts of uh, the aviation industry who are who are really, really concerned about what the future is going to look like. Uh, and you know, rightly so. You you see the the volumes um, in terms of airline activity right now, just you know, a shadow of what they what they were just a couple of weeks ago. And that's going to have reverberations for for a long time. Hopefully, we can all get through it quickly and you know get through the pandemic and get back to get back to life sooner rather than later. Uh, but uh, you know, right now in in business aviation, super super busy and and. You know, I think being being invested in the right places and the right capabilities and, and all of that is 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 super helpful. Um, but right now, man, uh, people are pounding on our door to get in. Tomorrow. Yeah, is it is it mostly the ninety one operators or is it one thirty five and is it one thirty five and uh, you know the ninety one k guys? You know the net jets and the flex jets. It's everybody, really. Um, you know the the fleet operators tend to take a a different view, and you know they're looking at things from a whole fleet perspective versus just a, a single airplane, of course. Um, but you know everyone's taking advantage of a, a little bit of pause and and op tempo to to get work done um, from you know small things that need taken care of, you know light refurb that that is that has just been nagging somebody to you know multi million dollar. Uh, you know, three month long inspections, refers, repaint, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, part of the reality is a lot of aircraft things are calendar driven, and, and no matter what you're doing with with flight hours, right? Those things have to get done. I yep. think things that are truly, you know, cycle and hour driven will eventually see an impact from um, you know this this downturn, however long that lasts. Mm -hmm. um, so we all got to be prepared for that. Um, but right now, you know, things are, things are jamming. Yeah. So, so what's going on? So you, you just started your engine exchange. Yep. Um, you know, and you talked about, yeah, the TFEs are going out. Obviously the JT 15 Ds are kind of phasing out too. Yep. Um, you know, some of your older PW 300 series engines are probably, tell me about the engine exchange and how that's working and you know, what, which, what's the strategy there? Yeah, it's it's probably something that uh, we'll take great credit for being super smart, but um, it's really the market that that asked us to go this direction, right? Um, as as aircraft are aging out um, and you know getting toward the end of their uh, reasonable life, um, you know you can continue to breathe life into these airplanes as long as you as long as you want to throw money at it, but at some point. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the money you've got to spend to keep a, an aircraft airworthy just um, doesn't make sense relative to what the, the remainder of the asset's worth. So customers are coming to us saying, hey, how can, how can you help me make this more affordable? Um, you know, a, a $600,000 overhaul on a, on a pair of engines just doesn't make sense on, on an, an aircraft that's probably got a million dollars worth of value in it. Right. Um, and in some cases, I mean, you, 
particularly with with big engine events, you can you can see engine overhauls that are more expensive than the entire value of the existing airplane. So the market really came to us and said, "Hey, we're looking for alternatives here. How can you help us out?" Right. And and that's what really um, got us into the engine exchange uh, business. And it's something we've we've probably gradually gotten into over time. Um, but as as market demand increases, we say, "Look, this is <laughs> this is something we got to be more a little bit more deliberate about." So now we're we're out there buying inventory uh, of engines. Um, uh, prospectively, right? Trying to trying to have stock, so when somebody has a need, as well as um, you know, continuing to to find opportunities. Or someone says, "Hey, you know, I need a I need a pair of TFEs. Um, you know, I'm trying to keep this airplane flying for another four or five hundred hours. Um, can you go find me some replacement engines?" And so then, you know, we're into our network of folks that have come to us and said, "Hey, I'm looking to I'm looking to sell, and we can we can be the connection point, right? We're we're sort of the marketplace." when it comes to, to making those connections. Um, and uh, that also gets into rentals, right? We've got pretty extensive uh, uh, rental engine um, uh, inventory uh, that, that we utilize to support uh, either retail customers or power by the hour customers. When they you know, have an engine event coming in, that it's gonna take a while. We can keep the airplane, keep the airplane flying. And so as we get more involved in, in the engine exchanges, that creates opportunities for us to, to buy rental engines as well. Um, we're even into uh, consignment of engines where folks are saying, look, I've got, I've got some engines that uh, I'm not gonna be using, or you know, I'm taking the airplane out of service, what can I do with these engines? And we say, gosh, you know, we, maybe we don't wanna front the inventory on it, but consign them over to us, we'll put them into rental service for us, and we'll give you most of the, most of the rental income. Um, it's a great way for somebody who's got an asset they're not able to use to, to generate some, some money with. So. so so a lot of your operators that are already on, you know, MSP or JSSI or you know, Pratt Care, yep. something like that, you know, are, you know, how many of the people that are looking to exchange the engines are, you know, are, how many, you know, what's the percentage of the fleet that's kind of running naked with no, with no engine program at all? Yeah, more than you would think. Um, you know, particularly in in some of the older engine platforms. Um, let's talk TFE, right? There's there's a significant uh, what we would call retail uh, marketplace. Um, it tends to be in in the older variants uh, and in in older aircraft where folks have have let the power by the hour coverage expire, or you know when they acquired the airplane, it was already a 25, 30 years old, it's just not, not worth the hourly coverage. And they're, they're willing to take the risk on, on what it's going to cost to, to keep an engine flying. So, um, I'd be lying if I, if I made up a statistic for you, <laughs> but yeah, it's significant, you know, it's, um, it's, it's thousands of engines, not just, not just a couple hundred. What are you out buying? You buying Tays and yeah. everything, or anything you can get a good deal on, or yeah, pretty much everything. We're we're in the market for everything. You know, we're we're, we're in the overhaul business on, um, let's see, uh, TFE seven thirty one, uh, all the Pratt three hundred variants, uh, AE three thousand seven, JT fifteen D, um, PT six, uh, all the HTF variants. Um, so obviously we're, we're buying and selling those things as well as all the APUs. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're also in the market on stuff that we're not doing overhauls on. So Rolls-Royce products like Tay and BR710. Um, you know, we really want to 
serve the entirety of the market when it comes to it be in the marketplace. Yeah. And I think that that'll probably expand over time. Um, as you, as you develop those connections from people who are interested in buying and selling, um, it, it helps to be the easy button. Yeah. I saw, yeah, I'm starting to feel old now. I remember when the, uh, the early serial number, yeah. When, when the Gulfstream five flew its first flight, I was at Gulfstream. Yeah. And you talk about the BR seven tens and you know, now, Hey, we're, 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 we're buying them to, you know, put out as a rental or as a, yeah, we're, we're buying them from end of life aircraft. I'm like, wow. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, what, what a difference a day makes, huh? I know we're old, man. We're, we're dinosaurs. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can say. Um, what about, yeah, like, so the, uh, you know, and the, the market demand for that you see, and I mean, people coming to you saying, Hey, look, I've got, how's that affecting all the end of life aircraft stuff? I mean, obviously now we've got ADSB issues, got the mandates, which what yeah. nine months from now, nine months from now, a lot of airplanes turn into uh, yeah, pumpkins um, yeah. Or, or, or penguins, I should say. Yeah. They're ground. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there have been a lot of aircraft retired uh, already. And, and I think there will continue to be so when you have mandates like that, it just, it creates a, a cost burden to keep the airplane uh, airworthy. You know, a lot of folks are, are going ahead and doing it and, you know, the OEMs have made great solutions for them, but it's just one more pebble on the scale, right? That, that may tip the scale in the favor of, all right, I'm going to park this thing or, you know, I'm going to replace it with something newer. Um, and so, you know, that, uh, that interest in retirement of aircraft is actually feeds into, you know, the strategy on, on engine exchanges and, 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 uh, and tear down of, of aircraft and engines for used serviceable material because um, it creates inventory, right? So um, it's actually a, a little bit of a high-class problem uh, that you have aircraft being retired. Um, you know, it's on one hand, it's it's taking aircraft out of service that otherwise might need uh, might need maintenance and would be uh, candidates for us to work on. At the same time, it's creating inventory for us for for other programs like the engine exchanges um, or or uh, you know, use serviceable material for us to then. Uh, put in an engine, and if you can, if you can use, you know, a turbine part that's it's got you know a, a, a lot of cycles left in it, and is perfectly good to continue to use, that can be a more cost-effective solution for repair of an engine. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, you see, you, you, look, you see your earlier, you know, going back to the G5s, you see your early serial number G5s, your earlier serial your earlier serial number g4 sps and those airplanes are pushing yeah well going back to 1995 so 25 years old or yeah. more and people are like yeah. hey look i bought these pretty cheap i don't want to put a new you know i don't want to put a new interior in them but at the end of the day hey look i'll you know just part it out and move on and yep. move on to something else yeah you know there and there are some creative folks who are taking you know a couple of airplanes to make one good one um mm -hmm. We were involved in, I think, half a dozen uh, purchases of aircraft over the last year um, that really our eyes are, are on the engines, right? Most of the value for us is in the engines, mm -hmm. uh, the airframe um, teardown business isn't our core. Engines are our core. So, um, but there are, there are partners that we have that we can work with to, to make use of the airframe uh, parts or the airframe Hulk um, while we're doing stuff with the engines. So it's going to continue to evolve and be a, a bigger and bigger piece of, of what we do. You guys are, you're pretty novel in that. I mean, look, I, there's not that many 
companies out there. I know, uh, you know Worthington Aviation, which is now not Worthington, it got acquired. They 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 were doing some teardown stuff on some business jets, but there's really not. You know, then you had uh, Challenger Spares, which was Red Aviation, but you know, it's I don't even think they're around anymore. You had a couple of those guys doing. Uh, you know, Bombardier parts. You, you know, the brokers or the owners, you know, you, are you their first call? Hey, That's our goal. This thing? Um, yeah, uh, particularly when it comes to, to things related to the engine or aircraft where most of the remaining value is in the engines. I think um, I think that's where, where folks are seeing Standard Aero really as the, the go-to uh, marketplace, if you will, to uh, to, to understand it with the, what is what's the value that's in the engines, what's the opportunity to sell them or to rent them or, you know, whatever else might be the case. Um, it being that, that, you know, we are one of the, one of the biggest engine service companies in, in business aviation. Um, I think that expertise and, and years in the, in the market really are, are serving us well. Our, our parts and engine trading business has just blown up over the past, gosh, five years from, you know, single or, or low double digit millions to, you know, being a greater than $50 million a year business. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just tons of activities. You know, so, you know, along those lines, and, and I'm sure you're not stopping here. I mean, have you guys ever just thought about getting into the power by hour business too? Have you looked at that? We've looked at it. We actually do have uh, a power by the hour program on the JT15D. Um, Generally speaking, we we stay away from those uh, because the OEMs, you know, want mm -hmm. to want to maintain control of it. And you know, like I mentioned, our our goal being OEM aligned, so we we wouldn't do it uh, unless it were something the OEM were interested in us stepping into uh, into the fold on. Um, and in terms of non OEM programs, there are alternatives like JSSI that 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 provide those to the marketplace. So. You know, generally, I would say we we probably won't get too deep in PBH unless uh, it's just a it's a niche that the market's not certain. Yeah, I got you. What about people? How's the uh, you know everybody talks about the industry and the people, and yeah. now I think this COVID thing may create some opportunities for companies to enhance their teams. What do you? Yeah, uh, sure. What's the people business? What's the people side looking like for you? Yeah, continues, well, I would say up until a couple of weeks ago, uh, continues to be very competitive and very strained. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been saying for a couple of years now, the only thing that's going to change the dynamic here is some sort of some sort of market hit, some sort of recession. So it looks like COVID might be proving me prophetic. Um, I don't think you'll see demand diminish a ton in business aviation. Um but certainly, you know, airline demand is already is already uh, well, you know, slowing down, and, and you're seeing folks getting furloughed and and all this sort of stuff. Whereas, you know, three months ago, hiring was so competitive, and and um, you know that that competitive demand was was really jacking up rates. Great for great for the technicians, right? Being able to command uh, wonderful, wonderful career opportunities and salaries, but making it super competitive and expensive for us. I, I think the airline demand uh, is set to really get uh, a bucket of cold water thrown on it here. And um, I think that'll change the nature of uh, recruiting and hiring for the business aviation industry that, you know, hopefully won't see um, a big downturn 
but right now, man, we're we're still chugging along super strong. We're actually bringing on contractors right now to to help handle some of the the short term demand, the short term spike in demand. Um, and um, you know, we've got gosh dozens of uh, of open requisitions for technicians um, still yet today. So. Yeah, we're we're gonna continue to be on on the hiring spree. What is it? Avionics? Is it avionics guys? AMPs? A little bit of everything? Sheet metal? Every? You know, a little everything? What's uh, a, little, where's... a little bit of everything? Um, yeah, I would say everything across the board. Um, some of the unique skill sets get constrained over time. You know, at periods of time, um, things like you know aircraft paint. Um, there are only so many folks in the world who are really truly good at aircraft paint. Um, so that that is uh, an area where it can be uh, challenging at times to find folks with the right skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you gotta you gotta train somebody up and how long does it take to get them trained and and you know really fully uh, fully an expert at what they do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, straight up AMPs, avionics technicians, um, you know guys doing checkouts and installs um sheet metal you name it there's there's very i can't think of a uh of a um you know a a technical specialty that's not in high demand what's the goal i mean um yeah obviously yeah the goal is hey yeah more is better we want to be yeah more more money more customers more yeah everything what's the uh what's the long what's the long-term goal i mean what's uh you know you're gonna open up a couple more mro's you're gonna partner up with the oems what uh without giving away too without giving away too many of your secrets uh yeah yeah where do you want to take this thing yeah i mean m a is a strategy for us so we're we're going to continue to be involved in in uh in inorganic growth right uh, acquiring um uh, businesses that fit within the standard aero portfolio uh to expand the business and then organic growth continue and evolve the product set um expand the facilities that we've got uh, making sure that we're making the best use of the real estate that 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 we are in um expanding our footprints uh into new locations uh, certainly is uh, an opportunity for us mm-hmm. um you know we're we're pretty big in in mobile services, and that's an area where we see you know just completely unmet need. Um, all of the operators um, are uh, are chomping at the bit to have more you know service at the doorstep, um, whether it be in their hangar or someplace on the road that they're that they need uh, service done. Uh, so mobile continues to be a, a big piece of the strategy for us. Um, engine as well as non-engine. Uh, most of the mobile work we do today is is really in in service of engine care and feeding. Um, and the more the more modern engines, I mean, you take a look at an NHTF seven thousand, right? There's an incredible amount of work that we can do in the field, um, not in one of our service centers. It's incredibly difficult to ship all the all the tooling and get the people and and uh, and equipment there to to do it. So it's it's a it's a difficult proposition, but can be done. I mean, we can pull the engine off and and you know unstack it, take it apart, replace pieces, put it back together right there next to the airplane, and and uh, put it back on, and, and and off we go. So, you know, I think over time, um, that there's there's going to be less need to to bring an aircraft into a facility to get engines taken care of. 
Um, so we've got to be, we got to be smart with the market on that and not, not just sit there fat, dumb and happy with our arms crossed saying, come to us. Um, otherwise, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be left, left in the dust as yesterday's solution. Um, but at the same time, we know that there's just more capability to do, to do things in a facility, um, like an engine test cell, right? Like we do, uh, we run engines that, that we do. Uh, major service on across the test cell, even if it's not uh, required by the OEM, just because we think that's the right way to take care of an engine. Well, if I'm if I'm doing a number four bearing change out in the field uh, on uh, a Challenger 300, I don't have the luxury of running the engine across the test cell um, before hanging it on the airplane, uh, like I do uh, back at our facility in Augusta. So, um, you know, we we are going to continue to prefer to do heavier stuff in our facilities where you've just got more people, more tooling, more, more equipment, and you got test cells. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the engine OEMs are designing these things to be able to be cared for in the field in to large degree, um, as well as maintained on condition. You know, that's, that's right. been a big change in the engine business is going from scheduled inspections to on condition maintenance. Um, and I think, the industry is continuing to learn some lessons there, some very painful uh, about uh, what's the right interval to uh, to get in and look at them. What does a good bore scope really look like? Um, you know, we've we've seen some engines that were previously bore scoped by somebody that uh, that maybe didn't didn't quite have the expertise, uh, and then the then the engine comes to comes to us or one of our guys gets a bore scope down it and goes, Oh my God, look at, look at the things we found here. How did you, not, how did you not see some things going on? Right. Um, so you gotta, you gotta be careful with on condition maintenance that, um, that you really, really do it to a, to a high degree. Otherwise it's going to come and bite you and something that, that should have been a, a small event turns into a four or $5 million repair. Or, you know, we've even seen folks who, uh, who have HDF engines that are not on, not on coverage. Um, have a catastrophic event where it's just not even worth repairing it. It, it, it becomes a throwaway, go buy a new one because the repair is so costly because, you know, major, major damage has happened. So. And an HTF engine has got to be what, three, 4 million bucks. I'm assuming. Yeah. You know, we kind of look at them about, uh, about a four and a half, $5 million price okay. tag. Brand new. Yeah. Wow. What, um, you know, what about your know, pricing power? You know, you, you know, there's always been, you know, in the, in the MRO side of the house, it's always been a challenge. You know, what are the operators willing to pay? You know, the, the, the rates that you can get for your mechanics and stuff, you, you know, standard arrow, some of your kind West star, you know, uh, Duncan aviation or the, the major third party MROs, obviously yep. you've got, you have know, the, the OEM, you know, are you able to get some pricing power out there? Yeah, scale matters, right? So when anything that you buy in the world that you can buy in bulk, uh, you can you can get some some pricing power on. So uh, you know, the bigger we are, the more that we do, the the better we can create pricing opportunities that that makes a you know an advantage to the customer where they can get the most advantageous pricing possible. Depends on uh, depends on the particular thing. There are. There are some components and, and parts that are, uh, you know, the price just is what it is, no matter how much you buy. Yeah, uh, you know, OEMs uh, have have pretty strong protection. Uh, that's that's their op- opportunity to uh, to preserve margin in in uh, in the aftermarket. Yeah. Uh, the one good thing about um, the the engine aftermarket is the OEMs uh, 
have been very supportive of third-party MRO like us. Um, all of the OEMs work very, very well with us. It's not a, a competitive beat each other up kind of thing. They, they really look to us as a strategic partner um, you know, to, to fill the, the void in the aftermarket, uh, keep customers happy. So uh, very, very symbiotic and it's, it's, a, you know, it's a really healthy market. What about on the completion side? I mean, obviously you guys do paint interior, you know, yep. you know refurbs, things like that. Um, yep. The OEMs, are they pretty forthcoming and willing to give, you know, the, the engineering data and the stuff you need to, to do that? And they're, they're, they're working with you? Yeah, it dep depends on the OEM and it depends on uh, the event. Um, I think all, almost all of the, the OEMs are trying to, to do more of their own aftermarket airframe service. Um, and so we say, okay, let's not, let's not be a problem. Let's not compete with that. Let's figure out the right way that we can be part of your strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, if you're an ASC, then uh, if you're an authorized service center, then um, there are certain advantages to that. I think all of the OEMs are uh, are sort of throttling back on the number of folks they have as authorized service centers. It's it's tough for them to manage. Um, you know, they they need to make sure that they keep keep quality high. So, um, you know, the opportunities to be an authorized service center I think are getting harder and harder to to maintain or get. Um, so for us, it's just about making sure that we're in sync with what the OEMs are looking for. And, and like I said, not trying to, to go against the grain on what they're trying to achieve. Um, and then, you know, you asked about engineering. Um, again, as, as an ASC, you have pretty good access to engineering. If you're not an ASC, um, then, it, then it depends, right? And so um, you've got to, you got to be careful to be to be an ally of the OEM because that is intellectual property that they control. Yep. Um, and even though there are folks in the world who who you know will reverse engineer things and and um, and figure it out on their own, um, not really a strategy that, that 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 we prefer to go down. We prefer it to be uh, OEM aligned. We do we do a ton of STCs though, so um, we're out there. Uh, we have a whole team of engineers and, uh, you know, we are an ODA and we have, uh, you know, thousands of ODA members that, that we work with. Um, so creation of, of new STCs and, and new engineering um, is, a, is a very big piece of scenario portfolio, something a lot of folks probably don't know a lot about. Right. Um, you know, the, the traditional thing that most people think of are, are new avionics. Uh, you know, new connectivity solutions, things like that, which we're, we're very, very involved in, very deep in. Uh, but we even do, gosh, we do engineering STCs on airliners, right? Just because we have such a strong engineering group, you have, mm -hmm. you have airline OEMs, you have avionics OEMs come to us and, hey, can you, can you help us engineer an STC for this, uh, this particular box, this particular uh, piece of equipment in, you know, Airbus 319? Sure, we can do that. Right. Um, so it uh, is a way for us to continue to, to build our expertise and portfolio. Sounds like you're having a lot of fun. I am. It, it's been a great home for me. Uh, Standard Aero is a, a phenomenal company. Um, really, really great people. I'm, I'm really, really blessed. You bullish on the industry moving forward? I am. You know, we're going to get through this COVID thing and, and get back to life as semi-normal. Um, it, I think 
long term, that's that's a, um, a a stimulus for business aviation. You think about anybody who's got the means uh, or who's on the who's on the fence to fly privately. Um, you know, this um, this this COVID thing is going to create a shadow in people's mind for I think quite some period of time. Of you know, how much do I really want to be you know, locked in a tube with three hundred of my not so closest friends sharing recycled air, right? Um, I think anybody who's got the means is is going to prefer to fly privately, and so I think uh, I think I, I think ninety one k and one thirty five is 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 probably going to see a stimulus here. Mm-hmm. Um, does it push people into buying airplanes? Maybe maybe a handful, but probably more so on the uh, uh, on the selective usage side. So the fractional guys and the one thirty five guys will probably be see the uh, the first immediate impact here. Um, you know, the, depending on what happens with the stock market, you know, where the whole industry is so highly leveraged to that, we'll, we'll see some culling of, of the market there where folks say, look, I just, you know, it doesn't make sense for me financially anymore. I'm not feeling as, as wealthy as I used to. Um, I'm just not going to. It's the nature of the beast. Yep. But, but I think long-term it's, it's bullish for us. I think so too. So uh, will you come back in a few months and tell us how the, uh, the engine exchange program's coming along? Absolutely. I'd love to. Let's, uh, let's do it. Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on today. My pleasure. Enjoy your Friday and uh, let's, uh, let's do it again soon. All right. Stay safe out there. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com or check us out at www.northstaresg.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.